All right, for my token this week, this is a very selfish token for me. It actually addresses a problem that I am currently having. Incontinence. Not incontinence. You're oh. close. Liquidity. Liquid. Yes. It's, well, you know, two You're sides close. of the same. You're right. close, Brian. Bogdan, Brian, and their guests are not registered investment advisors. Nothing discussed today should be relied on for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please work directly with an investment professional. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Safari podcast, where we slither deep into the DeFi holes looking for some crunchy, crispy coins to fill our degen bellies. <laughs> My name is Bogdan, and as always here, I have Brian. How's it going, Brian? Uh, it's going even better now after that um, spicy opening that you uh, you, you fed us. Lovely. I wasn't expecting that. Um, most of these I don't really know about until you present it, and so it's always one of my favorite parts of the show. So thank you for that, that imagery, and uh, it's going to be with me for a while. I'm glad I could surprise and delight you, Brian. Yes. So today we have a pretty packed agenda. We have a couple of listener questions, one of which is about how we personally buy a token and what prices we look for. How do you choose a good price? And then we also have another question later about how to avoid gas fees when buying an NFT on OpenSea. So we will get into those a little later, but first let's jump into the news. What is in the crypto news sphere for you today, Brian? Yeah, I got a few things. Um, I kind of switched up my approach to this. Instead of having like a few stories that I kind of dive deep in, I've got like some quick news bites headlines that we can choose to mull over, chew on, or just say, oh, that's interesting, and maybe move on. Totally up to you. We'll see what happens. Maybe the listeners will love it. Maybe they'll hate it. Uh, we'll have to wait for that feedback. But so... First off the uh, off the press, I guess you could say the digital press is I was reading that Coinbase is going to launch an NFT marketplace soon. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no date for the official launch. They posted this on Twitter and they've met with a hundred over a hundred content creators to work on the launch. That's super interesting. You know, everybody in the NFT space, gets really frustrated with OpenSea. Like, no offense to OpenSea, it is a decently good product, but they have so many little problems mm -hmm. that just kind of like, over time, it just nags at you little by little. So I think this is ripe for disruption. Yeah, absolutely. And even some of those little problems can be like really big problems for some of the users, some of the content creators. You know, I think from a user perspective, yeah, there's some things that are annoying, but we talked about people getting hacked and they're, their NFTs being sold, stuff like that. But for some other people, they're getting plagiarized, they're getting scammed. So yeah, it's it's tough because like you said, they're trying to do the best they can with, with their platform and trying to keep it pretty decentralized and pretty open and, and free for everybody to kind of do what they want. But you know, at some point you got to say like, maybe there's a better solution out there. Yeah, I love it. That's great. So, so that's one. Um, another one, this is kind of funny. Uh, the CEO of Terra, known as Do Kwan, bet that the Luna price won't fall below $88 a year from now. So Terra CEO Do, Do Kwan bet a gentleman named Sensi Algod, 
who basically called Luna a overpriced Ponzi scheme and it would fail, he bet this guy a million dollars that it won't fall below $88 within a year. Oh, wow. A million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah, he threw it out there. Um, he already said he's going to donate the wins if he does win to charity. So it's a, a gentleman's bet, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't know if Vegas is taking odds on this thing or what, but he, he said it and apparently this is going down. I like that. Brian, don't you wish that you were so wealthy that you could make million dollar bets for fun with your rivals? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think if I still that money, I don't know. I still would feel pretty uncomfortable. I guess it's all relative to how much <laughs> you have in, in your wallet, in your crypto wallet. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think I'll ever, even if I had that amount of money, I don't think I would be making just bets like that for a million dollars. Yeah. What's your take on Luna? Do you have any strong feelings about it? Um, not so much. I mean, I know a little bit about it. It's, it's not something we've covered, uh, but it's one of those names that you hear. I don't have a ton of information about it, but after this, uh, this bet, I mean, maybe $88, we'll see what the price is at now. And then maybe, maybe we'll put some money in to see what happens. Very interesting. We should cover it. Let's cover it maybe next episode. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Uh, another news um, headline. So Shiba Inu, the community-driven token, has become the second most popular token for Ethereum whales to hold after Ethereum. Really? Yes. That's so, really surprising. Yeah. So uh, it comes from a, a, a site called Whale Stats, and it shows the top 500 inv investors in ETH and ERC-20 tokens now prefer SHIB to FTT, which was the native token for the FTX platform. On the May 13th, a whale bought 49 billion SHIB tokens, bringing his holdings up to a trillion something. But uh, it's now up there as the most popular to hold for these big whales. So why do you think that is? Because I'm not as familiar with Shiba Inu as you are. Mm -hmm. Is there anything coming down the pipeline that you know of that could merit yeah. in buying this? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline for them. They're creating a game. They've already, they've already been launching NFTs. They have an NFT marketplace. Uh, they're building their own blockchain called Shibarium. And so they have a lot of use case stuff coming down the line, but I think whales might like it because right now it's actually pretty low compared to its all-time high. And also, and I don't want to say this and, 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 and give people a negative opinion, but sometimes whales want to hold a lot of tokens that have a lot of volatility because they can do some manipulation of that coin's price. That's so true. I'm not saying that's why, but that's something you got to think about when there's a large consolidation of one token in a few uh, whales' hands. They have a lot of control over price fluctuations. So, I, you know, if you're thinking about it like long term, hey, you know, it might be a good bet, but just be careful that there could be some 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 dumps and some pumps based on, you know, hearing a rumor and selling the news type situations. Yeah, I hope it pumps because I bought my Shiba Inu when you told me about it and it has been down ever since I bought it by so much. So, Brian, hold. you hold. said hold. You keep hold. telling me hold. I am holding, my friend. Diamond handed, man. I'm telling you, it, it's, it's going to see some stuff happen. So. Uh, hopefully we'll see what that does. Uh, and okay, I got a couple more quick ones. We'll fly through these. Uh, one has to do with Cardano, which we discussed a few weeks ago. Uh, they recently had an increase in their total value locked on their platform. And total value locked is basically um, all of the crypto that's in that protocol or project. It's a show of confidence. It's a show of um, people wanting to use their platform. So that jumped up um, 6% in 24 hours. 
And supposedly that's just the beginning. They're waiting for something called the Vasil hard fork, which is gonna change their platform. A hard fork is basically when um, a project changes its protocol and makes some blockchains um, basically irrelevant and vice versa makes other ones irrelevant. So it could be a, one of the two. So they're having this coming up in June. And so a lot of the DeFi projects that are waiting to launch on Cardano are waiting for this hard fork. And so they're locking in value now. But once that launch happens, there could be a lot more uh, DeFi projects launched on their blockchain and a lot more TVL locked in. Very interesting. Yeah, we should revisit Cardano maybe in a few months to see where it's at. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in on some more of that myself. Um, after learning about their leadership and the community and what they're doing, I think it's completely undervalued. A lot of their holders are beginning, you know, they're getting anxious. It's had a lot of like fluctuations. It's, it's just hasn't been really performing based on um, the promises that you would think that would come from that team. A lot of really smart guys. So uh, I'm going to try to get in on that before this hard fork. We'll see what happens. Once again, this is not investing advice, but anytime you have a catalyst like that, sometimes it makes sense to take another look at these tokens. Yeah, I'm interested in Cardano in particular because like I told you on that episode that we did on Cardano, I literally bought it knowing nothing about it yeah. simply because it was the next token after Ethereum. And I was like, <laughs> I'll get Ethereum, I'll get whatever's right behind it. And I got some Cardano, yeah. like a complete I ape. I think so. it was a, a Dogecoin or something. Um, yeah, I'm actually setting up a crypto account, uh, a wallet for my dad, and I'm going to put some Cardano in it and some other things. Um, so we're going to have some fun and play around with that. Uh, okay, really, that last one, I promise. And so this is a quick one. And I read that Visa is looking to hire college students to develop in-house crypto talent. Interesting. They're posting jobs and they want uh, to build expertise in DeFi, NFTs, CBDC, which is central bank digital currencies, and um, other crypto projects, according to a job listing. It's very interesting to me that these kind of older institutions resisted crypto for a while. And now it seems like a lot of them are jumping on the crypto bandwagon because they don't want to be left behind. One of my pieces of crypto news is actually related to that, which is that you can now buy crypto and NFTs using Stripe. So yeah, similar to how with uh, you could buy NFTs using PayPal. Now Stripe is in on the game. And I personally actually really enjoy using Stripe because it has really, really good encryption and security. So that is a nice little uh, kind of institution that's joining the crypto. Are you going to be using them? I might. I want to check it out. So I just found out about this this week. So I haven't had enough time to look into it, but I might use them if it's convenient and easy and I can just buy some Stripe while walking my dog or buy some crypto while walking my dog. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how that works out. I might want to take a look at that. Um, actually, I also heard Twitter, sorry, not Twitter, but uh, Block, which used to be um, uh, Square. They are building their own uh, crypto wallet now, too, that's going to have a biometric uh, thumbprint instead of seed phrases and other things. Oh, interesting. So that's we'll see how that works, too. Um, anyway, a lot, of, a lot of big names are getting into the crypto in different ways. Very cool. What else you got newsworthy? Uh, something that is a little bit of a update on one of the crypto tokens that we talked about, which is Avalanche. Ooh, yes. So apparently, I know you're a big fan of Avalanche. The Avalanche Foundation has actually launched a Avalanche Multiverse, which is a $290 million incentive program, which is intended to accelerate its subnet functionality. And if subnet functionality sounds like very fancy tech jargon, it's actually very simple. 
the avalanche subnet allows individuals or institutions, which is pretty important, to build custom blockchains tailored to their needs. So similar yeah. to kind of how we talked about Polkadot last time, that you can build your own blockchain much easier. Avalanche is doing the same thing, but they're actually funding it. So they have $290 million to fund people who want to build blockchains on Avalanche. I like that. I mean, I, Avalanche has a lot of stuff they do like that. They're, they have a nonprofit side and they also have their product side. And so, you know, this is just, this doesn't surprise me they're doing something like this. They're very forward thinking in that way. But also, I think I like that idea because, you know, I've been reading some other stuff about blockchains and business and stuff. And a lot of people think that in the future, it's just going to be not something we think about. It's going to be like, oh, this business is powered by blockchain. It's just going to be something that's below the surface. No one thinks about. And it's just going to have a ton of different business and use cases and, and whatever else. And it's just going to be something that's just in the background. It's not even going to be a big deal. And so once we start getting these institutions to start building this out, this infrastructure, I think we're moving in that direction just a little bit faster. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. And when you think about what the internet is like today, when you're on the internet using something, you're not thinking, oh, is this HTML5? Is this yeah. CSS? No, you're just using right. the actual application for its utility. Exactly. Uh, but behind the scenes, developers have to make choices about how they build certain things. So for example, with this Avalanche subnet, uh, they're saying that it actually makes implementing compliance, data privacy, and performance easier for those developers so it should open up you know this whole other world of where developers can build much easier without having to be quite as technical as before yeah i mean we've talked about this i think since episode one you know it's in this ecosystem in this industry scaling has always been something that's been difficult and if you can't scale there's not going to be large widespread adoption and so a lot of these projects we talk about, what do they talk about? Scaling, you know, and ease of use. And these are things that have been a problem for a long time. And other, we're starting to see some solutions. And with that becomes ease of use, better user experience, more adoption. And so we're going to start moving to that point where there's going to be synergy. Synergy. I love it. I did some with my hands, everybody. You can't see it, but I did a synergy hand gesture. He did the synergy symbol. I did. All right. So, Brian, for this next one, I'm going to test your NFT knowledge a little bit. Let's see, which I know is lacking in many ways. What comes to mind when I say the words Yuga Labs? Yuga Labs. Yuga. Now, if I remember correctly, Yuga was a Polynesian prince who sailed the Galapagos on a single sea turtle. <laughs> I is know. this true? Wait, is this actually true? Because no, no, I made that up. I'm sorry. Oh, that would be so that. impressive if you actually knew the lore behind this. So you might not know Yuga Labs, but Yuga Labs is actually the creators of Board Ape Yacht Club, which is one of the most popular NFTs in the world. Yes. Now, what about if I say the words Larva Labs? <laughs> um, okay, first of all, I was going to say something about Board Apes because I, I, I just, that's all I know about NFTs, not all of, but you know. And um, is Larva Labs something that the apes get when eating rotten fruit? And so they end up getting these larvas in their bellies or something like that, or? You're close, but no, actually you're not close at all. So Larva Labs is actually the creator of CryptoPunks, the oh. most popular NFT in the world. And something very special happened recently. The creator, 
of Bored Ape Yacht Club has actually acquired CryptoPunks and MeBits from Larva Labs. I heard so that. it's for an undisclosed sum, but they actually bought 400 CryptoPunks and 1,700 MeBits. And the reason that they acquired them is they actually want to create a community around those and also use some create some derivative works of the two projects and give that intellectual property uh, and commercialization rights to those NFT owners. So if you own mm -hmm. one of those 400 crypto mm -hmm. punks, you can currently print t-shirts, do stuff with it. Uh, and so Board Ape Yacht Club wants to allow more people to use their crypto punks and create whatever they want to create around them. Say you want to create a comic book around it, mm -hmm. you want to create merch, whatever it is they have plans to open that up to their community. Interesting. Would you call this a metaverse? I wouldn't call this a metaverse. I would call this a very strange acquisition strategy because mm -hmm. in reality, CryptoPunks is the first. It's the biggest. You can't get one. There's none for sale ever. Uh, Bored Ape Yacht Club is the second biggest. So it's kind of strange that the second biggest is making an acquisition of the biggest nft so we'll see where this goes but it's really interesting because to me nfts always felt like they were like separate worlds you know like you're you're in the ape club or you were in the crypto punk club right it's weird that there's now this crossover where these communities are kind of merging and becoming somewhat bigger and more powerful so even in a in a world of decentralization we still have consolidation and centralization is what you're saying Exactly, exactly. So this is, you know, breaking news. It just happened recently. Mm -hmm. We'll see where it goes and I'll report back. But really, really strange to see yeah. one NFT, you know, doing acquisitions of another NFT. That's interesting. And, you know, I, I'm sure they have some good reasons or at least a lot of money to spend. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Maybe they're going to combine them two into like a project that has them like crypto apes yeah crypto punk ape or something i don't know maybe it's gonna <laughs> no. be a cartoon or a tv show or a movie coming out i don't know we shall see we shall see yeah, we'll so see. that that is what i had on my side of the news we can jump into listener questions next so we have two really interesting questions here i'll start with the simpler one of the two which is related to our nft chat so this question comes from kenneth Kenneth would like to know, is there any way to avoid gas fees when buying an NFT from OpenSea? Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, well, um, I honestly have never bought an NFT on OpenSea, but I'd imagine it works the same way as other decentralized exchanges. And so right now, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably pretty hard to avoid fees altogether. But if you do buy things on decentralized exchanges off peak hours, sometimes it's a little bit cheaper. That's what I know about decentralized exchanges. I don't know um, if that really applies to OpenSea, but I'd imagine it's the same thing since we are using Ethereum and the gas prices are still the same business, same model. Exactly. So for those who don't know what a gas price is, it basically is a transaction fee in order for someone to execute the transaction that you want them to do on the Ethereum blockchain. So if I want to do a trans transaction on the Ethereum blockchain, I'm not allowed to do that on my own. It's kind of a closed system. If you let everybody make changes, it can get very insecure. So there are dedicated people who are trusted to make those changes. 
And that transaction fee is based on how many people want to get their transaction done to the blockchain. So there's a thousand people, you know, the price might be lower. If there's a hundred thousand people all wanting to make their transactions at the same time, it's an auction system and the gas price goes up. Like you mentioned, Brian, it is based on time of day because people sleep. Well, some of us sleep. Some of, yeah. some of us sleep, others don't. So there are certain times of day when the Ethereum blockchain is more active or not active. The place that I like to go to, uh, Kenneth, to check when a good time might be for gas prices is this site called ethereumprice.org slash gas. And they have this really nifty uh, kind of heat map on there. And it's separated by time of day and day of week. So you can look like, you know, oh, Monday at 10 p.m., I should be able to pay less in gas. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Wednesday at 12 p.m. lunchtime, oh, it's going to be really expensive. So you can kind of plan out when to do your transaction. That being said, sometimes the map is not accurate. So do not rely on it for 100% accuracy, but it gives you a ballpark. And that's a good place to start. Uh, it's cool that they have stuff out there to help you in, in this process because you know no one wants to pay these crazy gas fees for something. It's it's a it's an externality and it's a it's it's inefficient. It's kind of wasteful and it, it deters people. So hopefully, um, you know, when we have some updates to Ethereum, maybe those will go down. But we're also seeing all these other um, platforms that run on top of Ethereum. Um, you know, we talked about ZK Sync that helps you buy on decentralized exchanges, reducing gas fees. We still have to dig into how that works. I want to set that up um, and see how easy that is. So, but anyway, yeah, until until there's a better way, expect to pay a little uh, some gas fees and just try to minimize based on time of day. Exactly. Day yeah, exactly. And you can, another website that I'll recommend real quick is etherscan.io slash gas tracker. Something that's interesting there is it updates gas fees in real time. But one thing that I found is really helpful is if you scroll down a little bit, you will see a section called gas guzzlers. Yeah. And it'll actually show you the top 50 gas guzzlers, uh, people who are people or protocols or companies or NFTs that are doing a large volume of transactions. So sometimes if you see that um, gas prices are really, really expensive, you can go to this uh, site here, uh, look at the gas guzzlers and say you see a NFT is currently being minted. Like, oh, okay, that's gonna pass in like an hour. So then you know, for instance, oh, in an hour I'm gonna come back and it'll be probably cheaper. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... That's cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at the gas guzzler. I look at EtherScan for other stuff just to look at like total holders like, and also wallets percentage holding a certain uh, token. We talked about that a little bit. So that side is great to go there. If you look up a project, you can see you know wh who's holding the largest amounts of these tokens. Is it you know a, an exchange? Is it a couple investors? You know, and so it's a good place to look. You can also see the number of holders, which is also important. Uh, it's a great resource. I like EtherScan. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question, Kenneth. Our next question here is from Chelsea. She would like to know, how do you personally determine what price you want to buy a certain, a certain token at? Oh, man, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, it's a tough one. I think it there's a lot of different factors to think about. And I'll tell you what you don't want to do. And I've, I've made this mistake for, before early on is, you know, I'll look at... Um, 
you know, maybe Coinbase or something or, or uh, coin market cap. And I'll see some coin just pumping out of nowhere. And I try to just jump in I'm like, oh, this is going crazy. <laughs> and so FOMO, I, FOMO. Yeah, I get the FOMO really bad. I get the FOMO shakes. My mouth gets dry. You know, my tongue gets numb. But if you don't want to buy, if you see a token pumping, it's up like 30, 40 percent, like in a couple of days or a week. That's not a good time to buy because chances are it's going to hit some high points and people are going to take some profit and they're going to dump it and it's going to go back down and you're going to be basically um, negative on that trade. So what I do now that I've learned my lesson is either I dollar cost average in into a project that I like, meaning I put the same amount of money in each on a, on a schedule. So either, whether it's up or down, I'm putting the same amount of money in. So you kind of mitigate those uh, that volatility. Or I look at a token and look at its all-time low or all-time high, check the price it's trading at now. And if it's you know, really below their all-time high and it's a great project, that could be a good time to buy as well. So, uh, you know, it really depends on the project. You know, if you do your PTAC and you got a lot of faith in it and it's trading below all-time highs and maybe they have some stuff around the corner, a hard fork even, or even a soft fork. There's such a thing as a soft fork. Or maybe they're going to get listed on exchange. You know, that's a good time to get in. But yeah, you don't want to buy at peak peak prices. That's a good way to end up holding on to something after you lose it for maybe too long, expecting to make your money back or, you know, it puts you in a bad spot. Yeah. What about you, Bogdan? What do you got? Very well said, Brian. I, I like everything that you just described. I actually look at this in a very simplistic term. So I do follow our PTAC system, which is purpose, team, advantage, community. I look at that. The other way that I actually pick my price point is I start with the graph view. So if you log into any exchange, it has like a little graph of mm -hmm. that token. And I start small and I expand. So I look at the one month view. Then I expand to three month, then six month, then one year, then five year. And I, what I'm looking for is dips and where it's stabilizing mm. at a high point and where it's stabilizing at a low point. So for example, if a, if Solana drops to like $60, but it only drops there once in the past, I've been too greedy and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get it at $61, you know, when it drops and I miss out completely. Mm -hmm. So now what I've done is I try to look for where they'll drop, where they'll bottom out three or four or five times. And that is my new point. And I pick my best advice here is don't be greedy, trying to save a few pennies and missing out on dollars. Mm -hmm. So if the low point seems to be $65, I'll buy it at 70. It's not going to kill me that I, you know, didn't get it at 65 instead of 70. Um, but I have actually missed more opportunities by being too greedy rather than, mm -hmm the other way around where it's pumping up and I jump into it at a high point. I think that's, that's good stuff. I like that. Um, and that's, a, it's a good way to look at it in terms of the dollars and miss or no try to save cents and miss out on dollars kind of approach to it. And I think once we, you know, I don't know if we can get through it or go over it on a, on a podcast, but we should talk about um, different types of chart analysis, especially candlestick charts. Those are actually really good for determining when to buy because you can see uh, strong sentiment reversals in prices. If they get rejected, it shows like a big drop and you can follow those pretty well and do some interesting analysis and see some trends. Uh, but once again, that's a very visual thing. We can maybe talk about it a little bit one of these days, but we could do a workshop perhaps. That would be one good. of our crypto workshops. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect, perfect um, venue platform for doing that. 
So yeah, why don't you tell us about the, the workshops, by the way, why don't you give a plug? Sure, sure. So, so if you guys want to attend a live workshop where we talk about cryptocurrencies, NFTs, and actually go through things in much more detail, the website for that is a littlecryptocurious.com. And over there, you can catch some live workshops. We do them every week. So don't worry if you miss out. They do fill up. So I recommend RSVPing as soon as you can. If you miss out one week, don't worry. We'll repeat it in a couple of weeks. So you can always get in later. They do fill up fast. I haven't been able to get in any of them. And I, I know the guy. So <laughs> I'm outside bank, looking in the windows, you know, trying to get some knowledge. But uh, yeah, good stuff. I definitely recommend them. So uh, yeah, that's great. Great questions. Uh, Chelsea and Kenneth, really appreciate you uh, asking us uh, what's on your mind. And we love looking into these questions. So keep them coming. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into our two tokens for this week. So before we jump in, let's do a quick recap of our system, PTAC, which we mentioned earlier. So that stands for purpose. What problems does this cryptocurrency solve? Team meaning who are the founders of this cryptocurrency, who are the investors, advantage, how is it unique compared to other cryptocurrencies, and lastly, community, what's the user adoption like, and what is the developer adoption like, and lastly, Brian has thrown in plus T, which is tokenomics, what do the tokenomics look like for this cryptocurrency? I love the tokenomics, you know me. Yes, you love it, you love the numbers. That's uh, my All brain. right, yes. so... Since I went first last week, how about we have you jump in first this week, Brian? Yeah, happy to do so. Um, I have a project that I haven't really heard of before. It's been around for a while, but I, it, it popped on my radar recently for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one is, I mean, we're living, we're, we're living in a time of, I would call this a bear market. Would you call it a bear market? Yes. Yes, we're living in a bear market right now. How long it's going to last, nobody knows. But right now, there's a lot of a lot of sell-offs, a lot of volatility, a lot of just trading sideways. And so, you know, when you hear about a project that's up 200% in 30 days, it piques your interest. And so today, I'm going to be talking about something called waves. Have you heard of waves before? Waves. Yeah. I have surfed waves. I have not looked at waves in crypto. I've, I've seen you surf waves. It's, 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 it's an experience. It's I, majestic. I get out there and really watch this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ballet. Uh, so waves is a project, like I said, it's been up 200% the last 30 days, uh, 155% increase in volume in 24 hours, $2 billion worth exchange at hand, exchanged hands. Um, you know, and, and I thought this was happening for a couple of different reasons and uh, well, I was wrong on the first one. So the first thing, and we'll get into the, uh, the team, but one of the founders is a Ukrainian, Ukrainian born. And so I thought there might be some support coming from that, but it's actually contributed to a migration from uh, their old platform to Waves 2.0. So Waves has been around since 2016. Okay. And since then, I mean, it's had some growth. I mean, investors have seen a 12,000% increase in its value since 2016 but for <laughs> exactly we're getting into that so uh yes launched 2016 kind of flown to the radar it's basically uh was built to improve on the first blockchain platforms to increase speed utility and user friendliness so once again those three things just keep coming up mm. and so it was built for that it's a multi-purpose blockchain platform that supports a bunch of different use cases, uh, dApps and smart contracts. And it's undergone like a bunch of spinoff features. They've got like three different blockchains right now. 
And so they do a lot of stuff, but originally it was built to solve those three problems that Ethereum faced, which was scalability, um, user, uh, ease, user ease, I guess you could say, user yeah, satisfaction. Ease of use, yep. Yeah, ease of use, thank you. And, and also just increase utility. And so that's why it was built. And so it's had some big gains, but it just kind of sat around for a while, but now it's, it's kind of pumping like crazy. And so for Chelsea out there, not the best time to probably buy waves since it's up 200% in the last month, buy the dip. So uh, one of the things they have in terms of the advantage department is they were one of the first offerings in their field. So the actual first ICO initial coin offer, offering was by something called MasterCoin in July 13th, very first ever, by the way. And so they've been around for a long time. And so they've had a long time to approve their product offerings and their, their blockchain. So they've got some experience points, I guess you could say. Um, and from the beginning, they were aimed at looking towards uh, prospective business clients, helping them um, basically build blockchains and improve and create new services. So they've always been business focused, which I think is, a, is an advantage. If you've been around that long, you've already been focusing on how this can be applied to real business use cases. So I think that experience is a big deal as well. Um, one of the other things they have going on is they have three different blockchains, uh, Gravity, Neutrino, and uh, waves. So they have three separate blockchains they created, which is pretty cool. Um, they have their own decentralized exchange called. What do? Yeah. Sorry. What What do each of those blockchains do? So why? Three? Um, that is a good question. I went to their website and I actually couldn't find any information on that specifically. So I'll have to get back to you on that one. Um, but they have three of them, so I guess three is better than two. <laughs> so there we go. That's an advantage. Next, we're gonna have someone who comes out and we're like, we have seven blockchains. <laughs> them. One, two. Um, and also they have something called Waves Keeper, which is a browser extension that lets you allow, allows you to, to um, interact securely with Waves-enabled web services. So they have a um, Chrome extension. Interesting. What yeah. would I use Waves for? Um, well, right now you're going to be using it basically to build on. So okay. it's, it's you know, and I'll get to that, the, the team or the community will kind of answer those questions. Sure. So. Um, so let's go into the team. So as I mentioned, the guy who designed it was a Ukrainian-born scientist. His name is Alexander Ivanov. He, does that sound familiar? It does sound familiar to me. I'm not sure where I heard it. Uh, he's also known as Sasha Ivanov. Apparently, he's kind of a big deal in this. In the I have world. not heard of this gentleman, but I believe you. Okay, yeah, believe it, believe it. Um, before creating waves. Uh, he was also active and created something called CoinMat, which is now done. It's kind of a dead project. Uh, he also created an indexing site called Cool E or C O L E Index, Cool Index. Um, and he also created a version of a stablecoin, Coino USD, pegged to the US dollar. So he's been around for a while doing different projects, um, and uh, now he's basically focusing on waves. And uh, let's see, in terms of the team, it looks like they employ 180 people in locations, including Moscow and Switzerland. So a pretty good big team led by a guy who's been doing this for a long time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, and so the community in terms of this kind of a use cases, so it's very, it's open source, which means it's very dev friendly. So they have a lot of people wanting to build on top of their blockchain, pick one, I guess. Um, and so it can be used to basically for cases that demand high security and decentralization. 
uh, basically open finance, personal identification, gaming, sensitive data, and many others. And so it has a lot of use cases for what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of cool in terms of community because it covers a lot of bases. Yeah. How, why would, um, and this might be too technical of a question, yeah. but why would I choose to use Waves over a Solana or a Polygon or an Avalanche, for example, if I'm going to be building something? Did you uh, find anything that like they speak to that? Yeah, and not really. Um, you know, this one popped on my radar pre- pretty late. And so I just got some really high level stuff. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with um, basically their move to Waves 2.0. There's probably some things there. Their white paper is pretty technical. I'll have to dig into that one and, uh, and get back to you. But right now, I, don't, I didn't read a lot about why you want to pick them over like a Cardano or even um, a layer two like Polygon. Mm-hmm. you know okay. so um other than just their experience and they're geared toward businesses so um let's see what else we got here so they have an incubator coming soon to help build out projects which we kind of talked about in terms of avalanche um they have a partnership with Allbridge, which is a protocol for transfer of assets on multiple blockchains it's going to be fully integrated in may this year and they have 216 twitter followers right now and grants for individual blockchain developers. So that's their community. Was that 216,000? Yeah, 216,000. Okay, 1,000. I was like, sorry. I was like, I hate to break it to you, Brian, (laughs) but that's not a very large number. I'm not a social media guy, you know. Uh, I I know you're not on social media, but 216 is pretty abysmal. Yeah, the the 216,000. So I know that's good. Might be good. I don't know. So let's let's breeze through tokenomics. Uh, So right now they're ranked number 43 on CoinMarketCap. So they're in the top 50. Uh, $3 billion market cap. Price is currently trading at $27. All-time high, $41. All-time low, $0.12. Circulating supply, $107 And right now, which I found this on Etherscan, is they only have 1,278 holders, which is very low. So very small community. Yeah, but look at the coin price. I mean, obviously, that's based on their circulating supply, but it could yeah. be, you know, it could be because, and my coin has something similar here, which is that the actual coin itself is not the value. It's the actual protocol that's the value. So it could be that you don't need wave coin in order to do some of the things on that protocol. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. And one of the things that uh, Waves 2.0 is going to do is going to change some governance things, which I think might have affected why there's such a low um, holder count. So apparently they had some governance governance issues with their token. And so I think they're addressing that and they're increasing some transparency. So I think they were doing some things that made people kind of like, kind of not so um, aggressive towards it. And they're, they're changing that. And so I think that's where this, this price bump is coming. So they're doing something that people are taking notice and people are trying to get in, but that's a, that's a good point regarding the token. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's waves. We'll have to keep an eye on this one. Um, you know, I might put a little bit of money in, obviously not now after this 200% increase, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to put it on my, my things to watch radar and uh, maybe uh, we'll see what happens. Very cool. Thanks yeah. for, uh, thanks for sharing. That's a sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, interesting one. I've never heard of it. So definitely learn something new. I want to research it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get in there. Yeah. All right. For my token this week, this is a very selfish token for me. It actually addresses a problem that I am currently having. Incontinence. 
not incontinence. You're no. close. Liquidity. Liquid. Yes. It's, well, you know, two you're sides close. of the same. You're right. close, Brian. So <laughs> my token for this week is Ave. Are you familiar with Ave? Oh yeah, I'm familiar. I was going to do Ave actually a couple of weeks ago. It's the payments. Uh, um, it yes. So it is. Ave, the purpose of Ave is decentralized lending and borrowing. Yes. So you can, and one of the reasons I want to highlight this token is right now the crypto markets are really down and a lot of people might need liquidity, meaning cash, money right now. And you might want to sell your cryptocurrencies in order to get that cash. Mm -hmm. But then you're missing out because when the crypto market recovers, right, you've sold for low and that sucks. Yes. So Aave is one way to kind of get around this. Um, so you can borrow on your crypto instead of selling your crypto mm -hmm. for liquidity. Mm -hmm. And for example, ta taxes are coming around in... Uh, about a month, month and a half from now. And I know that I'm going to have a really large tax bill. And so I'm debating, should I sell some of my crypto at these really low prices in order to pay my tax bill? Or should I perhaps just grab a loan based on my crypto assets? And mm -hmm. then when crypto goes back up, I pay back my loan and get to keep all of my crypto. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if we talked about that, about this, but one of the secrets of the wealthy is they don't sell assets. They borrow money and use assets as collateral. And so they never lose money that way. Well, I'm not saying never, but it's one of the things that wealthy people do. It is. It is. It is also one of the things that poor people do <laughs> because if you do it improperly and I'll get a little bit into this, yeah, about yeah. some of the risks and, you know, benefits of this, but if you do this improperly, you could lose your crypto, mm -hmm. uh, which really sucks. So you have to use this in a very smart way. And I'll talk about how that's done. So the this is a little bit more focused on the actual use case of this blockchain, not necessarily the token. So Aave, the actual token itself, it only gives you lower fees and uh, it gives you governance. So it's not that utilitarian. It's more about using this platform. So Aave was created by a guy named uh, Stani Kulechov, uh, who is from Eastern Europe, based on that name. He is a serial entrepreneur who graduated law school from the University of Helsinki. So pretty good pedigree. He has been in cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology for many, many years. And he actually started Aave in 2017 before decentralized finance was even a thing. So when he started Aave, it used to be called ETH Lend like Ethereum Lend, mm -hmm. but they rebranded because they wanted to expand beyond just Ethereum. And so one year after they were founded, they switched over to Aave. Uh, in terms of investors, they have a few firms. Uh, the only firm that I saw that was like a name brand that I recognized was the classic Three Arrows Capital. They keep coming mm -hmm. up. They seem to have invested in almost mm -hmm. every cryptocurrency we talk about. Where are they located, by the way? Are they U.S.-based? Uh, Three Arrows is in Southeast Asia. I believe they're a very large uh, hedge fund out of Southeast yeah. Asia. Yeah. So, so that is uh, who the founders are. The advantage of Aave, and this is where things get interesting. So they offer over-collateralized loans. Mm -hmm. 
And if you're not a finance person, I'm not a finance person. Here's what that means. It means you have to put up more money than what you're borrowing. So if Correct. I want to borrow $50, I need to put up $100, for example. Mm -hmm. And you might be thinking, well, if you have $100, why would you need to borrow 50, right? Again, this is I'm putting $100 of Ethereum, right? Right. I'm putting $100 of Solana. So I don't want to sell my Solana. I am putting $100 worth of Solana into Aave in order to get $50 for whatever I need. Got it. So and that's mostly in case you don't pay back, then the lender has that money basically in an escrow account. And so it's a way to provide, well, I think a blockchain, and I'm not the first one to say this, obviously, is a trust network. And so that's kind of the built-in trust factor. Like, I know I can lend to this person because they've already put up more than I'm lending them. Exactly. And okay. banks, banks have done this for, you know, centuries, but banks tend to have lots of middlemen, lots of overhead. And so they're going to charge you higher interest rates for those loans. They're going to hound you. They're going to hassle you. Yeah. There's going to be all these terms and conditions that, you know, you're, you can't understand. Ave is very simple. You put your $100 in, you get your $50 out. And then they have this really nice dashboard. And you as a UX designer will really appreciate this. So it's this really nice dashboard that gives you a score of how in danger your funds are to being taken if yeah. you're not paying back your loan. So you can literally see in the dashboard, hey, like you should probably pay this loan back soon because you're getting near this threshold. And what that threshold is called, it's called a liquidation threshold. And it basically means if you don't pay back your loan and it keeps growing and growing and growing, they will take your initial money. So the way this works is I put up my $100. They give me $50 uh, as a loan. And let's say it has a 10% interest rate. And I'm doing stuff with my $50 and I'm accruing interest. Let's say that the liquidation threshold is $80. If I reach $80 in debt, then they're going to take my 100 bucks that I put in initially. So they will warn you. They'll say like, hey, you're accruing interest on this loan. You're getting, you're at $60 debt, $65 debt, $70 mm -hmm. debt. When you start getting near $75, $80 debt, they will warn you and say, hey, your score is really low, like pay this back. Otherwise we will have to take your principal. Yeah, it's like, hey, deadbeat, get off the couch, <laughs> pay your bills. Uh, no, that's cool. I think it's a, a cool way to, to let people know when they're, the clock is running out. Otherwise you could forget these things or maybe there's no visibility or transparency. And so I think it keeps things kind of equitable for both parties so you don't get caught off guard because sometimes you know with lending institutions they don't have a lot of transparency because they want you to default on a loan they exactly. want to take your assets they want to put you in a bad spot especially some of these predatory lenders you know like the payday lenders the cash advance guys and so uh, yeah i like it i think it's a cool idea are yeah. you are you gonna so you might borrow some uh, some cash on your ETH? I might borrow some because I, I've been debating this. I've been thinking, okay, I have to, I have this tax bill coming up. Like I do have to pay it. I don't have the cash on hand to pay it. I do have a good amount of crypto investments, but I don't really want to sell my Ethereum at these really rock bottom yeah. prices. Yeah, horrible time. Or, yeah, or my Solana. So could I perhaps use this in order to just get a loan? And I'm pretty confident that the, you know, the crypto market will increase later in the year later in the year, I could pay it back. So 
I, I don't think I'm going to be borrowing like giant sums of money, but just in order to help me to pay this tax bill. Um, the, go ahead. Well, okay. So let's say you go through that process. And what happens if you start seeing your liquidation threat threshold getting closer and closer and you haven't really seen the returns on your ETH yet? I guess it wouldn't matter because you still want to hold that. But so do you have a backup plan? Because it seems like you'd want to have that as well, right? So the nice thing about Aave, and this is something that we'll talk about, is that you can put just a little bit of money into that loan. You can pay back that loan as little or as much as you want. So let's say I'm at $75 you know, of my loan. I'm getting near that liquidation threshold. I can put like $10 in to, to drop it back down to 65 bucks mm. and give me a little bit more time while I'm waiting. So- Okay. You can pay it off. You don't have to pay it off in one lump sum. You can pay off like 10 bucks of it, 20 bucks of it. You don't have to do. Right. But then you might get into a cycle where you're just constantly paying more and more just to keep you away from that threshold, which happens to a lot of people who, to for credit cards, for example. Exactly. Uh, so you don't want to get into that cycle. Exactly. So uh -huh. this is the poor person versus rich person thing, right? Like poor people tend to take out a loan and then it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. My, my mom, for instance, had to take those loan shark loans and the interest rate was 100% per month. Yeah. Meaning if she borrowed $500 at the end of the month, she owed them a thousand dollars. She didn't pay that back. Now it's $2,000. Oh man. It's it's, it's illegal in most states, that type yeah. of um, lending practices. It's usury. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. when when you're in a tough spot, you know, you, you do desperate things as a single mother of two children. You do yeah. what you got to do. Um, so yeah, the interesting no. thing, and I'll get into this with Ave, is it has three other advantages. So the three advantages are liquidity pools, permissionlessness, and non-custodial. So liquidity pools. This is really interesting because normally when you're borrowing money from someone, it's kind of a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. Here, it's what's called peer-to-pool-to-peer, <laughs> meaning the lenders who want to lend their crypto put all their money in the pool, put their mm -hmm. crypto in the pool. The borrowers borrow from that pool. So no one borrower is borrowing from no one lender and no one lender is mm. lending to one borrower. So okay. this is how you kind of uh, eliminate risk because you right. don't have to deal with one-on-one -on -one transactions. Right. So you're diffusing the risk across the liquidity pool. So you, so in case I say I'll, I'll loan to, to Bogdan and you turned out to, to be a deadbeat, you don't want to pay. Yep. I don't, well, I guess you're still going to be making that $50 or the, whatever the, um, double the amount of whatever you put in. So I guess you're not exactly. going to lose, but. Um, it just takes some of the risk out of that one-to-one, -one, right? Yeah. You don't have to think about who is going to be borrowing your money because it's going to get distributed across tons of people. Right. So you can put more in knowing that it's going to be spread out again uh, for more borrowers yeah yeah so it's a little bit more security you know right yeah i guess on the, on the lending side too you don't want to basically put up a ton of money and then just have it sitting there waiting for someone to pay off that incremental amount maybe you might need that money back or maybe you know who knows so yeah that, that's cool exactly exactly so that is the nice thing about the liquidity pools uh the other thing and this is very simple basically it's permissionless meaning that anyone anywhere can use it, no credit check required. So if you have a bad credit score, 
you can borrow using this because you're putting up more than what you are borrowing. Yeah. So, so no KYC protocol. Or exactly. So it helps also with places that have very restrictive lending, like some countries, you know, like you must borrow from a bank. They do not let you borrow from anywhere else. And so if you're in a tough spot in one of those countries, this is a nice outlet for that. And then the last thing is non-custodial. So everything is completely smart contract based. There are no humans involved in this. So no humans to deal with, no sneaky terms and conditions apply. Like, oh, I gotcha because, you know, I, I did this thing to you. It's just a simple smart contract. And the nice thing also as a lender uh, is that you can withdraw your money at any time. So if you lend you know, $1,000 and just the next day you want to take it out, you can just take it out immediately, which isn't the case with like a BlockFi. If you put your money in BlockFi, which is like a, you know, an exchange a institution, they require you to wait five days before mm. you can pull it back out. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you want that cash and you maybe you have an emergency, maybe something goes down. I mean, who knows? Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of freedom and a lot of upside what's the is there the what's the see the underbelly the downside we're not seeing here there is, the downside is if you make a bad decision so it's really you don't want to be using this when you put up that money in order to get that loan you should be okay with potentially losing that full principal mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so don't do this where like oh i'm gonna put up this money to get this loan and then i have this foolproof business idea and it's going to take off and I'll be rich, right? Like do this for something where like, you know, you need a short-term loan, right? You know, that worst case scenario, you can either lose that money or, you know, you can pay back the loan if you need to like, Hey, Brian, I need 400 bucks to pay back this loan and then I'll pay you back soon. Right? Like ha have backup plans for this, but this is a nice way that you can get money near instantly. Um, and possibly not have to give up your crypto. Got it. Okay. So what uh, tokens do that? Is it only Ethereum or can you, what other tokens do they accept for those pools? They have a ton of tokens. So the Aave protocol is Ethereum based, but they take a bunch of different tokens and they're adding more tokens every day. I'm not sure of all the tokens that they currently accept, but they basically want to add as many tokens as possible into this platform. Got it. Okay, so let me uh, let me present a scenario. So say like I have, okay, say like I have a bunch of ETH. I want to borrow some money, so I put the money in, and what do they give me back? They give me like a, a tethered coin, a stable coin. Yeah, they usually give you Dai. So DAI is the coin that they give you, which is a stable coin. Okay, so what if I put the money in? And as I'm doing that, for some reason, the market drops 30%, let's just say. And then all of a sudden, the money I'm getting out isn't worth as much as I needed. How do they deal with the volatility in terms of these the, the, the lending process? Yeah, so that's a very good question. So I believe that when you put in the, that's why they build that threshold in. So when you're putting in your, let's say it's $2,000 worth of Ethereum, they're not going to give you 
$1,900 of Ethereum, right? Because Ethereum could go down. They're right. going to give you something a lot less. So $1,000 of Ethereum. So they try and build in that cushion in case there is volatility in the market. Okay. If there's a bunch of volatility in the market, I read that you do have to kind of like top up your loan. So for instance, like if there's a ginormous crash, your debt to collateral ratio will shrink. Uh, so if Ethereum, say you put in $2,000 of Ethereum and they give you $1,000 in DAI, if Ethereum drops to 1,200, you are now super close to your the amount of loan mm -hmm. you got for the mm -hmm. principal that you put in. So right now the market is so low that I don't think you have to worry about that quite as much. But for instance, when the market was like, huge and then came down that's when you would have to pay back some of your loan or top up your principal that you put in there okay got it and, and that, that definitely makes me think about something so one of the things that we one of the reasons we do go to these large institutions to borrow money is because you trust them and they're dealing in a very stable fiat currency that they're giving you and so i like all these DeFi projects i like where they're going but in in a, in a economy in an ecosystem where there's this crazy volatility there's going to be some winners and losers with these apps and i don't know what do you feel like i mean i don't know what do you what do you think about that in terms of of this side of the crypto market you know what i mean because it seems like eventually you're going to have to find some stability i guess you have you know stable coins that have some stability but you still have to kind of go in and out with eth or some other coin so how do you see that playing out for for most of these DeFi projects do you feel like there needs to be some more stability or less volatility like i don't know what, what do you think i think so i think that the way to use this is honestly as a tool so we are pretty crypto positive. So like in a year, do you think that cryptocurrencies will go up net overall or go, go lower net overall? And if you believe that they're going to go net up overall, right, they might go up and down, up and down uh, a bunch. But if the trajectory is in general going up, then it makes sense to take out a loan based on your crypto. Don't give up your crypto that you got for a great price already and wait it out and then once the price goes up so uh you can sell some of that crypto pay back your loan so that is how i think of this so personally for me for solana uh i used to have solana value at like forty thousand dollars and now it's down to twenty thousand dollars so i don't want to like sell my solana now it's half its price i'll wait until it goes back up to forty thousand dollars and i'll just take I'll sell a few Solana tokens to pay back my loan, for example. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And I've actually had like some experiences with that where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to wait a little while for this to go back up before I do this and this. And it's there's no guarantees across the board. You know, I've, I've had to hold on to some 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 tokens in some tough times thinking like, OK, next week, maybe I'll you know, go up and I can take some profit or I can get into this project. And sometimes it just keeps like going down and down. And I mean, I think from a long-term perspective, like, yes, will it go up? Most likely. But in the short term, I think making some of these decisions can be a little bit dicey. It can be. That's why I preface this with yeah. use this in small amounts, right? Like this should not be, you, you should not be making big life-changing yeah. loans with this 
uh, we actually had at one of my previous companies, we had a professional financial advisor come in and he was teaching us about how many, how much you should have in savings, how much you should have in investment, et cetera, et cetera. And his rule of thumb was always have three months of living expenses and savings as cash and anything beyond that you can invest, but you want to have that little kind of safety fund in case some crazy stuff is happening you're not worried about having to make these very kind of dicey decisions about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard the same thing and uh, I've tried to practice that uh, throughout my, my financial life. And, you know, sometimes it can be tough, you know, it's hard, it's hard because <laughs> when you see crypto, like the reason that I'm in this situation is crypto kept dropping and I kept buying because I was like, yeah. this is on yeah. sale. This is on sale. Well, you see this, this money sitting in your, in your account. Like it's, you know, it's your rainy day fund or your, your mad money or whatever. You're like, well, that was going to happen and everything now and then. And so, like, let me buy some umbrellas with this rainy day. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, yes, I would say double that amount up, have six months, and that will give you some powder in your keg to, to buy some dips. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, that is the advantage in terms of community. Uh, just a few stats here. So, uh, in terms of die, their lending pool that they currently have locked up in Ave is $1.7 billion. Wow, okay. So this is a very big kind of protocol. The total value locked in Ave is $11 billion. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's, that's a great sign. It has a lot of users, yes. It has a lot yeah. of users. For, in terms of developer friendliness, it's built on Ethereum. So it's completely Ethereum compatible, which makes it very friendly for all those Ethereum developers to keep building stuff on top of it. And I actually read that uh, they're one of the top five or top 10 crypto projects to watch this year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good project. It's been around. It has a lot of innovative things in terms of the lending and borrowing field. That's very interesting to me. Um, and then uh, here I'll wrap up with last tokenomics. So 1.6 billion market cap. Mm-hmm. And then it has a 13 million Ave circulating supply. Yeah, that's pretty with, low. Yeah. Yeah, with a 16 million total supply. So there's only 3 million more Ave tokens that are going to be added to the supply. What's the price right now? Price right now is $122. Yeah. The uh, high price looks here like it was about $666. Wow. Yes. So would you say uh, I is on sale right now? I would say everything is on sale right now, honestly. I mean, yeah. what isn't on sale right now? Right, right. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's it looks like it's at a good price. I don't know if I'm actually going to be buying. In this case, I'm not interested in buying Ave tokens. Yeah. I'm much more interested in actually using the protocol, using the blockchain for what it's intended to be used for. So that's why I wanted to share it in case other people out there don't want to let go of their cryptocurrency in this terrible, terrible market. There are other alternatives. Very timely and very important. Yes. All right, guys. Appreciate it. That was a good one. Yeah. So that is it for this week. If you guys have any crypto questions that you would like us to answer on the next podcast, remember our email is questions at cryptosafari.us so you can send us an email there with your crypto questions all right brian 
And uh, I think I told you earlier this week that I booked my hotel rooms for a consensus this year in Austin. Yes. Crypto conference. We're going to be there covering it with press passes, getting very deep into the consensus jungle, maybe doing some live casting. I don't know. We'll probably maybe get some interviews with some very cool people involved in, in the space. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really fun conference. I highly recommend it. I haven't been to it, but I've been looking at the headliners, the speakers. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So many good headliners and speakers. I mean, it's, it's a who's who. And, and you know who's going to be there, Brian? You and I. Me and you, man. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. A lot of fun. So we hope to see you there. Exactly. All right. Until next time, guys. It's been real. Ciao. Later.